Rin Hamber Co. You don't need many words, just the right ones. writing since I was a little kid. I still have a kind of a cartoon that I actually illustrated myself. I just always loved stories. So really, I, I kind of wanted to be an author. That was always always my uh, starting passion, and it's just gone from there, really. I think I always thought that writing would have to be my hobby, and one day when I'd w- made my millions as a businesswoman, then I could settle down and write my, my kind of novel that I wanted to write. So that's quite interesting. You've used the word businesswoman, so you've obviously always had a bit of a, a nouse for business as well and today you've managed to combine the two did you always see yourself as doing something quite business orientated then so at school I took um, a really random collection of A-levels uh, I think I did uh, geography biology English and business studies so really not a specialist kind of a person but then I went on and did a business degree I actually uh, did business management and Japanese um, which was great because I got to spend a year in Japan and so my plan was to you know either work for a, a company with links to Japan or in Japan or a Japanese business and again that would be how I, I sort of made my money my father actually was a, an entrepreneur. He set up a business. He grew up in Austria. Uh, he left school at the age of 14, went to do a kind of a trade school apprenticeship and learned to be a carpenter, then went off into the army. And then he moved to South Africa, which is where he met my mum, and that's where I grew up. But he set up a company, actually, the year I was born. And within a year, he'd paid off all his loans and was doing really, really well and really rose up through the ranks. So he did sort of like uh, interior not not interior design, but sort of fit outs, you know, big, big kind of hotel fit outs and things like that. So he, he did very well for himself and was very successful. And I think I've always had that in the background thinking I can do that. And it encourages me. It's, it's really nice to have that history. And what was it like growing up in South Africa? Oh, it was great. Hot, sunny, lived by the beach. So yeah, that was lovely. I left in 94, so I was 14. Yeah, it was an interesting, obviously, political time. You know, I was a kid. When you're a kid, you don't care. You don't care what colour everyone is. You don't care what's going on in the world of boring, grown-up politics. You just think, ah, I want to go to the beach. Yeah, it was fun. And how do you think that transition has informed your adult life and the way that you approach your day-to-day work? I think I've certainly learnt to be adaptable to other people. I think when you change culture especially at the age of 14 you learn to fit in because you know that's what everyone wants to do when you're a teenager so I think it's made me a better writer in that I'm very good at adapting to people Uh, my accent when I moved from South Africa to the UK adapted very quickly when I went to Japan I know that I picked up all sorts of accents my friends out there were from you know Paris and Texas and Russia so I had a very odd accent when I came back and I do the same thing in my writing so you know, if I'm going to be writing for a company that's, you know, a solicitor, very serious, and all I have to do is spend a bit of time around them, speaking to my client, really sort of hearing who they are, and then I can mimic that quite well um, on paper. I'm Mark Yates. I'm MD of Scan Film or Store Limited. We're a document management company in Bridgewater. Rin Hambra does a brilliant job for us, guest blogging, which is uh, read by our customers. It's then rounded up every couple of months and put in a newsletter to our good customers so they can keep abreast of what's uh, what's happening. Rin has been superb in actually being able to pick up my style of blog writing, which is a slightly off the wall because the subject matter that we actually cover is can be very dry. We don't think it's dry. It can be quite dry. And as a result, we like to have our blogs with uh, a tongue in the cheek 
approach to keep people interested and also to give useful information that they may that may help them in their everyday life with their paper management and storage problems. And how does she capture that? Do you feel as though the tone that she she helps is it is it quirky? Is it how does that, does that language help come to life for you? It is slightly quirky. As I say, we we try and inject humour into uh, what is quite a dry subject. What we're out to do is keep it short, keep it to the point, be not only quirky, amusing, but also helpful to people who are reading it. So that if they invest, you know, four or five minutes in reading the blog, they're actually going to get something out of it and perhaps a wry smile as well. And do you get good feedback on your blog? Yeah, we do, actually. Yes, I do a lot of networking in the Bristol area. People do come up and mention to me how much they've enjoyed the blogs uh, that that we put together. And do you find having that input from a professional writer helps give it that extra boost? Definitely. What what I've learned is that the blogs that Rin writes, there's always a learning point in there for me as to how she actually phrases things. And obviously her English is brilliant as well. So it's very helpful to me to know what's current um, in, in what people are looking at in blogs and things as well. She was one of the best finds I've ever made at a networking event. So it's a real natural knack you've got then. It must be very helpful when you're trying to identify the right tone when you're writing on behalf of someone else. Yeah, I think that is one of the key things. People sometimes say to me, you know, have you specialised? Do you just write about a certain thing? You know, because the idea being that if you specialise, you get better at it. But in fact, actually, I think the skill of any good copywriter is that they should be able to adapt pretty much instantly to any brand. And even if I decided, right, I'm only going to write for shoe shops, well, one shoe shop's not like another shoe shop, so you'd still need to be able to take on that brand tone of voice. And it's almost hard to kind of articulate what it is that makes tone of voice, but it's everything from, uh, you know, the formality of the language that you use, the length of the sentences, specific key words that are related to your industry you might work with children, for example. If you're a doctor, you'd probably talk about children. If you were selling children's shoes, you might talk about kids or tots. Or The, the actual language that you choose, the, the words that you choose, are so important in helping to identify your brand voice. You've obviously got a real knack for this, Rin. How much of this is um, formal learning, You know, identifying subtle differences in our language use like kids and tots and how much of it is things that you have just sussed out for yourself yeah I think it's a combination you know I think everybody has to practice their craft whatever that is so I have always always made a point of learning and I do love learning I find it something I, I want to keep doing uh, after my degree in uh, in business management and Japanese uh, I took a year out and then I went back into the postgrad in magazine journalism now that was absolutely fantastic that that's really where I was kind of forced to look at words up close and actually examine the things I'd perhaps already knew but had never really thought about so that was that was very useful when I left there I got a job um, on the Western Mail in Cardiff so I moved up through the ranks from sort of trainee reporter news reporter features correspondent and I ended up as the women's editor there again all that training and kind of the feedback from managers and those sorts of things has also helped But then you have things like Stephen King's On Writing, which is just the most incredible book. And of course, because he's such a wonderful writer, it it feels like a novel. But he has got some incredible tips in there. And, you know, I'd highly recommend everyone read it, especially if you do any writing or you want to improve your writing. It's just such an encouraging book. So writing is clearly a passion of yours. And I know that you uh, send newsletters out quite diligently. You're really good at that. You blog quite diligently. 
Do you ever have a moment of feeling like, oh, this is a job? Or is there always that passion driving you forward? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone has those days where they think, oh, what, what am I doing today? But actually, no, very, very rarely. I think sometimes fear does still get the better of me. I think that's the only thing that I find difficult. I never dislike writing, but sometimes a job is important or you, you really want to get it right. It's maybe something a bit outside your comfort zone. And you think, oh, can I do this? And everyone has this inner editor that kind of says, you're a bit rubbish. You're not as good as everybody else, you know. And I think we all suffer from that. So those are the days where I struggle to get started. But I trick myself and I say that if I write three paragraphs, I can have a cup of coffee. And of course, once you've written three paragraphs, it's fine. Then you just keep going. But it's actually just getting started. It's that blank page syndrome. But yeah, it doesn't happen very much anymore. But uh, yeah, just occasionally it does. And it's it's not fun. (laughs) Is there any such thing as a typical day in the life of Rinhambra? Ah, oh, well, these days, the only thing that's typical about it is it's probably going to start around five o'clock with my, uh, my girls waking me up. But yes, once, the, once domestic life has, uh, has been put in its place, it's usually a mix of client-facing work. So it may be that I'm meeting with a potential client, doing a briefing with a new client, talking through amends with a client who we've already done some work for. There's obviously the management of my team. So once I've taken the briefing from a client, then I need to brief my writers uh, again, if they've sent work in, I need to, to check and, and do any amends with them. Kind of lots of management stuff, which is, which is great and I enjoy it. I also do still do you know, some writing myself. There are certain clients who perhaps I've been working with them for a long time, so I know their voice so well it's, it doesn't make sense to pass it on to anyone else. I still do a bit of journalism work as well, which is, is nice. It keeps my hand in with that, but also is obviously great PR for me. It's nice to be able to say to my clients, yeah, I, I write for The Guardian, I write for Psychology's magazine, um, plus it's fun. I would get very bored if I had to do the same thing all day, every day, which is why I went into writing kind of in the first place, journalism especially, you never doing the same thing twice. How do you typically work? How does a client briefing begin? Is it face-to-face? Is it over the phone? Walk me through it start to finish, Rin. So usually I'll have some idea of what the job's going to involve when they've done the inquiry process at the beginning. But the briefing, yeah, for me, it is incredibly important. And that's where I get the main information. It can be face-to-face, it can be Skype, over the phone, it doesn't matter. But I do need to, to speak to them. Um, I wouldn't just want an email briefing. I think I've come from, obviously, the journalism background. Interviewing people is what I do. So essentially, it becomes an interview. So I just really get them to talk as much as possible. I'll suddenly hear it. I'll hear what it is that they're selling. I'll understand. Something will connect. It will stand out. And I'll think, yeah, that's it. Okay, that's where we're going. Susie Hull from Hello Creative. Week on week, we work with Rin. We bring her in with real confidence with that she's going to do well with our clients. I can really rely on Rin to understand the tone of voice of each of our clients, to understand their journey and then verbalise that through written words, through a script for an animation, through website copy, through doing an article for them, for anything. She really does adapt that tone of voice. I think it's her journalistic background that really helps. She understands who they are, what they need to say and puts it in the best way. So often I see her with these reams of you know information and background history and she just does it in this concise paragraph I honestly don't know how she does it I can rely on Rin to have this service that I can trust she will be that person alongside me that helps people communicate what they need to say in the best way for them and in the right words really and today you're now building up a team of writers around you and you're actually operating more as an agency is that right 
Yeah, so this started a couple of years ago. Um, I realised I was working late most nights, I was working most weekends, I was getting really, really tired. Um, I didn't realise at the time that one of the reasons I was so tired was that I was pregnant. At that time, so around the time I found out I was pregnant, I thought, well, I can either just put my prices right up, in which case I'm going to lose some clients but uh, be earning a bit more and the, the balance will sort of work out, or maybe there's another way. And I don't know where the idea come, came from, but I just thought, well, why not get somebody to help me? You know, somebody who's junior, so I'll still be making money off of the job, but I can help them as much as they're helping me. They'll, they'll kind of increase my capacity. I can train them. By this time, I'd also got um, a teaching degree. I, I told you I like uh, keep on going back to, uh, to doing more, more studying. Uh, I had my first writer do a little bit of work for me, and it worked out really, really well. Now I've got a team of three writers, and that's hopefully going to keep growing. Um, I also need to expand my sort of in-house staff. I will need an assistant at some point because I'm just too busy. It's ridiculous. That's kind of how I see the, the agency, as you say, growing. I would like to have a, a core team of people in-house so we can help manage everything, manage the clients, make sure everything's working properly, and then an increasing team of freelance writers. Um, the way I always explain it to people is that freelancers get busy and big agencies are really expensive. So we sit nicely in the middle and we can always get your job done on time because my capacity is huge, but the costs are manageable and reasonable because we only bring in the writers we need on a project-by-project basis. And how do you retain the Rinhambra style? Luckily, um, the the great thing is we don't have a Rinhambra style. That's the point, is that we have all of our client styles so you know two bits of our writing are never going to look the same because they have to work for the client and not for us if it sounded like us we wouldn't be doing our job properly I guess uh, the Rin Hambra style is just about really high quality Um, and I think that's something that I do bring from my newspaper background if you're writing a feature for the Guardian it has got to be right it's got to be good it has to be really good the grammar the punctuation but also it has to be true uh, you know there's so many people that say things and they haven't really fact checked and so, you know people are doing blog posts and they're going oh did you know that you know three out of four people think this and you think where did you get that statistic you need to go and find that so I have really really high standards on things like that um probably makes me a bit annoying to my writers but you know it's important to me and I think it's important to my clients do you specialize I mean I realize that you can specialize you can uh, you're very adaptable and you can put on hats of different clients but Do you specialise in, say, writing for small businesses? We've literally worked with people from solo entrepreneurs who are literally just kind of starting out right through to uh, big household name brands like Pot Noodle. Um, We've done work with Lloyds of London, so it's a massive international insurance market. So it really is that that broad. And what's your plans for the future, Rin? Oh, that's a very good question. Keep doing more of the same, only more and bigger. I love what I do. I genuinely get up every day and I'm excited about going to work, but I still maintain a balance in my life where I have a life outside of that and with my children to keep developing the business so that it can be increasingly self-sustaining. I really believe that a good leader is somebody who makes themselves redundant. So I would like to grow a team to a point where actually I can go on holiday for a month if I want to and it's still going to be great and my clients are going to be well looked after because I've got this team of really great writers and project managers who can keep that going. And what's your top tip when it comes to writing for business? Oh, you can't just have one top tip for writing for business. (laughs) My personal one is authenticity. It's a real bugbear of mine that people feel the need to 
slides into marketing speak when they talk about their business. Um, and suddenly everything is innovative and it's got solutions and it's, you know, customer focus. And it's like, yes, 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 we know all that stuff. All businesses are like that. Normally, when I say to my clients, you know, what, what do you see as your brand tone? They're like, professional but friendly. We all want to be professional but friendly. That's, that's fine. That's normal. That's what we all want to do. Let's actually dig a bit deeper into who exactly are you? What exactly are you offering? If we can really get to the heart of that, that's when we're going to be able to sell it. My strapline, as you've heard, is you don't need many words, just the right ones. For me, a massive part of what I do is the briefing, where I'm finding out from my clients, what exactly are we trying to say? Once you've got that, the writing bit's actually kind of easy. For more tips, insights and advice from Rin, visit rin-hambra.co.uk forward slash blog.